Hello everyone, welcome to Creation.Live. I'm your host, Trey. In every episode of this show, ICR scientists will gather with subject matter experts, apologists, and other special guests to discuss pressing issues, whether that be ICR's current research, new information that has come to light in the scientific community, or anything else that ultimately impacts how science points to our creator, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, I have with me my co-host, Ivana, uh, and I, we have on the science side of things, we have Dr. Brian Thomas, paleobiochemist, and Dr. Tim Clary, geologist. Thank you all so much for being here today. Thank you. Pleasure's ours, or yeah. at least mine. Yeah, it's great. No, it's great to be here. This will be a lot of fun. <laughs> all right, everybody. We are here to discuss a movie that we all saw. Uh, we all went to go see Jurassic World Dominion, um, and so... I will try to refrain from, you know, my uh, film-going negativity, but we'll go ahead and uh, ask everybody, on a scale of one to 10, just to get things started, uh, what would you rate this movie? Science, 11! Science aside. 11, what a great show. Is uh, that your real answer? No, but I just like to see uh, Trey react. Okay. <laughs> he didn't like it, but it was, it was entertaining. Jump scares, yeah. basically, near misses. You know, almost bite your head off, but mm -hmm. not quite. And that, so, I have to admit that's not a number out of ten. Jump scares. Well, no, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, what's, no, what's, what's I agree your with you. you agree with me? Okay. Uh, I give it about a six or seven. Six or seven. All right. You know, the first movie was still mm -hmm. the best. It built the most excitement and most you know mm -hmm. stress. Everybody watching it. You know, you're, as they were chasing the kids around, especially it was a lot more scary for the kids, I think, and the adults because it was like. You know, they kept coming after him, coming after him, coming after him. This one, tense. they didn't really build the, you know, it was kind of almost like going through a Disney show, mm, you know, okay. like going through like, like a theme park ride. Like a theme yeah. park ride. It was kind of like, this is coming at you, this is coming at you, this is coming right. at you. Right. That's their goal. Okay, that's, <laughs> that's, that's the, the next theme park ride. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I would probably say a six. It wasn't, you know, terrible. It maybe wasn't the best of the movies, but I did, I did twitch a few times of, <gasps> you know, when stuff happened. So it, it had me somewhat engaged for, for most of it. All right. Well, I'm going to give it a solid 4.5. Uh, we, we all know that I didn't like it, but that's okay. That's okay. Uh, it was entertaining, but we're not here to talk about the filmmaking and sound design and all of that. We're here to talk about uh, dinosaurs and a little bit of genetics. Uh, first off, for all of our listeners and viewers, let's go ahead and uh, talk about why the two of you are qualified to discuss such matters. So, uh, Dr. Thomas, uh, can you give a little background as to why you can talk on this subject matter? Uh, I've studied dinosaur uh, proteins. Um, I'm not an expert on like dinosaur anatomy or like the names, you know, uh, of, of all the different kinds of dinosaurs, but uh, he's better at that than I am. But uh, yeah, I, I look at, uh, I got a PhD in this, you know, looking at proteins that are in dinosaur and other fossil bones. And um, uh, so that's what, so I've been on a few digs. I think he's been on more digs than me um, as, as far as uh, paleontological uh, digs. So uh, yeah, so dinosaurs have, have been a part of, a part of my background as far as trying to help Christians see how dinosaurs fit within the biblical history. Because a lot of Christians have no idea, like how do where do dinosaurs fit, and so that's one of the that's one of the answers that I'm that I'm happy to be able to bring uh, to um, 
through videos and books and stuff. What about you? Well, as a geologist, you know, we study paleontology, but I uh, wasn't a true paleontologist by any means. You know, that's kind of a graduate degree you pick up along the way, but I studied a lot about dinosaurs. As you mentioned, I did quite a few digs in Wyoming and Montana and places, and I actually put together a, a course at an introductory level, 100 level college class that I taught for about 15, 16 years. And in that class, we instituted a lab and I had to kind of write the lab book. There was no lab book for an introductory course. So I had to look at a lot of the issues, warm-blooded versus cold-blooded and feathered and non-feathered. So I kind of had to look at both sides of what's out there in the literature and really kind of put all that together. And I've got some pretty strong feelings on some of those. Again, as a geologist, you know, we deal with the fossils as part of our studies of the earth, studying the rock layers. But uh, I'm not, not a true trained dinosaur paleontologist per se, but uh, I know enough to be dangerous. <laughs> and you are dangerous, that's for sure. All right, well then, I'd actually like to start us off with uh, a line that was said uh, in the movie that um, came from Dr. Grant. Also, for everyone listening and watching, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it, go see it before you listen to this, unless you don't care about it, because we are going to spoil some things. <laughs> Got that out of the way. Um, so Dr. Grant, at one point, in his introduction, he says, paleontology is the search for truth, and there's truth in these rocks. Um, thoughts on that? Well, there are rocks. That's true. <laughs> there are fossils in those rocks. That's also true. But, yeah, sci I've got a firm opinion on this. I don't know if Dr. Clary agrees or not, but technically, I think, Searching for truth is the is in the realm of philosophy. Uh, uh, science, um, the best science can do is build models and test those models and figure out which model makes the most sense of the evidence at hand with the fewest assumptions involved. And so that's not a search for truth. It just it's like whatever model works um, best, and then that model could be replaced. But truth, by definition, is universal. Ever, you know, eternal. It's like true is telling it the way it is. And so, anyway, that's in the realm of philosophy. So, as a scientist, I'm not searching for truth. Um, as a philo I mean, I want to have truthful philosophy and good philosophy, but but my but when I go in the lab, it's I'm not looking for truth. I'm looking for how does this work or what best explains this. Which model? It's a it's a model uh, oriented uh, business. Well, I agree a lot with. Dr. Bryan here, that truth is really only God's word. That's all we have for truth. Science isn't the search for truth at all. It's just, you know, we look for facts. The rocks are real. You know, the rocks are factual stuff. The dinosaur bones are factual things. It's, you know, how those dinosaur bones got there that we're trying to show people that the flood, in our opinion, at ICR, we think that's the best explanation. Uh, but also, what do the rocks really reveal? And much of the movie shows things that the rocks really don't reveal. It's more of a wishful thinking on the part of the conventional paleontologists out there, almost imaginary in a lot of ways. They just they imagine the dinosaurs did this, did this, because they want them to become something that they're not. And so the, the rocks really don't show a lot of what's in the movie. But the search for truth is, is really points to God's word. Well, it seems to me that they very much had at least an agenda in what they were trying to show in the movie, and, and that line kind of indicated like, hey, don't question this. This is truth, right? What we are portraying is truth, even though it's a very, very fantastical movie in, in many ways. Well, I think maybe it also 
for the movie's sake, it elevates the um, esteem, I guess, of the character of Dr. Grant. Like, mm-hmm. I'm searching for truth. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, we, you're our hero who searches for truth. And so in, within, the, you know, within the movie, it's like he's a scientist who, who tells us what we need to believe. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and it reinforces this false idea that science you know, is, the, is the ultimate arbiter of truth. Uh, and when we, when we do that, you know what we're doing? It's idolatry, because the Lord is is truth. He's he's the ultimate reality, not what a scientist says. Because, like you said, scientists are people, and we have to interpret things. Yeah. And so those interpretations involve is sometimes imagination. So and the behavior that is portrayed in the movie of the dinosaurs that that isn't revealed in the rocks at all or in the fossils. The behavior is you know, that's total interpretation. How could you even know, right? That's right. Yeah. Swimming doesn't fossilize. <laughs> <laughs> Truth. Truth. I think that what you were saying as far as if you look at culture now, if someone were to say, well, science says, <clears throat> then it becomes automatic. Oh, I won't argue with that if that's what science says or a scientist said that or discovered something. And so... Um, you know, were they intentionally trying to give this, oh, we want to hypnotize you into believing that if it's science, it has to be, tr-. you know, I don't know if it, if really that was the intent of the film. I can't say that they were really trying to brainwash the audience. Um, but I think it just speaks to the way our culture views science as that authority on, on truth. And so you can't, if science said it or something in science seems to point to something else, then that must be the answer. That must be truth. Until COVID, <laughs> yeah. right? And, and, and now scientists are like, "You guys have led us the wrong way." So people are like, Sci- "Scientists are not as truthful as we thought they were," you know. And uh, which is good, you know. It's good to be think for yourself, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, assess the science. You know, what's coming out isn't is a lot of different opinions. Yeah, and you know, we want people to think. You know, just just don't accept. You know, don't accept what you see. Think about it. Does this make sense? Does this make sense? Absolutely. Ask yourself that. Because the science can always be interpreted mm-hmm. in a different way. Mm-hmm. Especially when you're looking at stuff that happened in the past. Right. You know, this, in, in geology, paleontology, you're looking at historical science. We can't go out there and repeat these things. We can't go you know, have a living dinosaur and watch it run around, do whatever it did, see if it's really warm-blooded or cold-blooded. You know, I'm assuming that none of them had feathers because there's no evidence of that, but we'll get to that a little bit later. But you know, whether that really was truth or not, you know, they, they kind of imply that by that statement at the beginning that this is truth. And I think you're, you're kind of right that they're putting that, setting that forth, like what we say is true, don't argue with them. But, you know, it, it elevates the character, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Narratively speaking, yeah, for sure, right. yeah. There's a purpose in the filmmaking, for sure. There's another, another quote said uh, by Dr. Ian Malcolm, played by Jeff Goldblum, of course, who essentially just played Jeff Goldblum through the entire movie. <laughs> Uh, best part of the movie, in my opinion. But uh, he did say this quote right off the bat, another introduction, uh, a very like character-setting introduction. And he said, uh, human beings have no more right to safety and security than any other creature. We have no dominion over nature. We are subordinate to nature. And of course, that plays into the title of the movie, Jurassic World Dominion. And to me, it's like immediately I'm like, oh, that flies in the face of the Dominion mandate that, you know, we're given in Genesis. But uh, thoughts on that, guys? Well, let, well, well, what is the Dominion mandate? So Genesis 1, 28, is it? And be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and, and you should have dominion over 
the birds of the air, fish of the sea, animals on land. And uh, so that was, that was God's directive and mission and life purpose, you know, at least one of them, for Adam and Eve. And they were in partnership to do that together. And so we're, I mean, God designed this world, apparently, according to Genesis, in such a way that we're supposed to manage it. And how do you, how do you have dominion over it? How do you manage something without understanding it? That's like an, an implicit call for everyone to be, at least to dabble in science. <laughs> yeah. Because what is science? It's trying to understand how the world works, you know, and how, how things operate. And what we do is also how things came to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and so, so yes, that's the dominion mandate. So, uh, so the dominion mandate is God saying, I want humans to manage this place. And then the movie character, Malcolm, whatever, says, we have no dominion. You know, it's the, it's the animals that are in control or, or mm-hmm. nature's in control or whatever. And then, um, but then in the end, it turns out that in, in, as far as what little plot there was in the movie, <laughs> the, the plot came around that it was, it was humans engineering, managing, and showing the dominion that Malcolm said we don't even have. So it's like he's saying one thing, but then at the end of the movie we're doing the exact opposite. They're actually fulfilling the dominion mandate within the story, what little story there was. Uh, th- that, that's great. I think it really speaks to a difference in worldview there. Right. 100%, like where man fits in, yeah. in all of this. And, and I think they're trying to, to add on to what you guys are saying. They, they, they try to diminish humanity as just another animal. Mm-hmm. We're just another form of life on this earth. And, you know, we shouldn't be above or, you know, below any other animal. You know, we're just out there. And, but that, that's not what God's Word tells us. God's Word tells us we were made special. You know, the last created beings basically were humans and made in God's image. And we're the only one that's made in God's image, the only... And so we're not just another type of animal. You can classify us into the mammals and all these different things, but we're a separate entity altogether created in God's image. And so we're not just, you know, caught in the nature thing. We're not just another product of nature. We're a product of God's hand and his, you know, breathing life into Adam. I mean, I, you know, I don't want people, our audience, to think that we're against movies, right? <laughs> uh, I'm not. Maybe some of our audience Free members, design. you know, you can determine uh, whether or not you're a moviegoer or not. But, um, you know, I... It's hard to enjoy movies at times, especially as believers, because hopefully we don't just switch off the Holy Spirit. You can't do that, I don't think. But, um, you know, we don't do that. So when we're watching these movies and we're trying to enjoy, and then these things just stand out as these red flags. And so it's just a reminder of this is a movie, and I have to take it in a certain way. Um, but that. You take it with your brains turned on. <laughs> yes. Right. yes. Is, it, is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah. That I, I you know, I'm, I'm listening or watching this movie, and as soon as that that line was delivered, you know, I thought, wow, that. Yeah. If you're not paying attention, um, as a Christian, if you're not paying attention, that's very uh, opposite of what you know. We're saying that God has empowered us as His image bearers and our role in this world, um, but then you have people who don't believe that, right? Non-believers don't believe that, and so this maybe probably didn't even stand out. Um, so again, it's one of those um, unsuspecting, it just kind of slipped in their comments of who we are. Well, we're just other animals, you know, we're here. We, why would we try to be better than dinosaurs? Like we need to protect them too, even though they're, they're destroying so the world. Um, <laughs> you know, cool. it's 
I mean, they're cool, but um, I feel like they're kind of destroying everything. So <laughs> maybe you want to protect some stuff. So it's just an interesting comment to, to catch um, whether or not, again, are they really trying to do a, a deeper message to the audience? I don't know, but it's just things that kind of filter through this movie that stand out to us as Christians, at least. Well, uh, I think what you're saying is, and tell me if I'm wrong, the character just outright, flatly denied plain teaching of Scripture. Mm -hmm. Scripture says, you have dominion. Character says, we have no dominion. It's the exact opposite. So as a Christian, it's like, which, which one is it? And we can choose. And so what we're saying is, let's go with what God, the creator of the universe, says, <laughs> and not what a movie character says. Right? right? The, some, some script writer came up with that. Some sinful human came up with that. Let's go with what God says. We do have dominion, which means we do have a responsibility to take care of this creation, even now. One of the most surprising things to me, I think, while watching this movie, was that in a movie about dinosaurs, there was a surprising amount of locusts. Like, <laughs> way, like way more than dinosaurs, I think these weird genetically altered locusts were like a focal point. Um, now, this question doesn't have to do with dinosaurs specifically, but is there like precedent for, for fossilized locusts and insects in the fossil record? Yes, and I had no idea. Like, I, I knew that there were fossilized, you know, well, Dr. Clary talks about the, the shark teeth and the marine mixing, mm -hmm. what they call right. marine mixing. Mm -hmm. And so describe that for a minute, and then we can add the, the locusts to that. Well, we, you know, even with the dinosaurs, even T-Rexes, we find six species of sharks in the Hell Creek Formation. Some of the teeth right underneath where they dug out Tyrannosaurus rex soup. And so you get these, the, mostly conventional geologists would say, oh, these are all freshwater sharks. But we see other marine clams and other marine critters mixed in there as well. Even some of the conventional paleontologists are saying, there's a lot more marine influence than most of us are given credit for here. You know, look at this, what the rocks really show. And they just kind of like, you know, ignore it. But we see that all over the world. We see dinosaurs mixed in limestone layers and chalk layers. Uh, we see them washed out to sea. We see the, all this mixing going on all over the world. Everywhere I've studied, every continent I've looked at has shown substantial amounts of marine mixing. Just what you'd expect in a global flood. So, so you, you shark teeth, mm -hmm. clams, mm -hmm. and, and ocean water, okay. not just... I mean, yeah. it's consistent with ocean water and, and big marine reptiles. You as could well. tell a story about how, well, these clams and these sharks were all freshwater because we want dinosaurs to have been buried on land and to have no ocean having come up on land. That sounds pretty biblical. We don't want that, you know. Right. But that's what we'd expect to see if Noah's flood really happened. Anyway, so shark teeth, clams, um, a horsetail, same as today, found in dinosaur layers, ferns, same as today. A lot of different trees, same as today's trees, and, and a lot of different insects, even some mammals that are mixed in with the dinosaur layers still, this, still look the same today. There's a mammal called a tree shrew, and it's, a, it's in Indonesia, but it's a spitting image of some of these small mammals, the, the tree-dwelling type creatures that, um, that were buried alongside these dinosaurs. So, and then, of course, lobsters, mm -hmm. uh, even some crabs and uh, shrimp. And they look the same in the fossils that they do today. And so I, I th and I like this because I'm like, every time I see like a horseshoe crab or a lobster 
or a, or a, or a crawdad. We call them crawdads here. I don't know what. What do you call them up north? Hmm. Crawfish. Crayfish. Crayfish. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> but I've learned I've been in Louisiana long enough that I've learned. You, you learned, learned to okay. eat them actually. There. Yeah. I never would have thought about eating them up north. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so crawdads. But there's crawdads in the fossil layer in the dino, dinosaur containing fossil layers, and they look exactly like crawdads today. And to me, that shows no evolution took place because they're the same, same body form. No evolutionary change took place, and I don't think that the evolutionary time took place either. I think these are flood layers, mm -hmm. and that's why these creatures look the same. But anyway, circling back around to your... <laughs> locusts. Locusts, yeah. <laughs> so a locust is just a grasshopper. Um, and, um, this is just a grasshopper. So, yeah, there's grasshoppers in all kinds of rock layers, mm -hmm. and I didn't even know. Um, so I had to look it up after the movie. So... Yay, movie! It got me back to back into the sciences. And now, so, were they the same size as the ones depicted? No, in the I don't. Film? I don't know about the giant. Those were like, I don't think so either. I, I don't think they big. were. They were like you know, close yeah, to a foot and a half a long. Foot, yeah. Yeah. Are they capable of carrying a giant flame throughout a forest? <laughs> yes. No. Okay. Probably not. I, I digress. Sorry about that. Okay, because they, they mentioned in the movie that it was an ancient. They mixed. You know, they mixed from ancient locust mm -hmm. DNA to, um, you know, the locusts that we have now. And so total, total wondering where the, where the sizes come from. Yeah. So, I yes, there are grasshoppers yeah. that were fossilized. Yeah. But they're all about this big. But perhaps not yeah. the foot-long version. Right. Well, the same thing is true of a lot of the dinosaurs. They mm -hmm. make most of the dinosaurs, like the velociraptors, much bigger in the movie than it should be. The pyro, I mean, multiple times bigger. Yeah, the pyroraptor they put in there, they're swimming around. That's multiple times bigger, too. That should have been just a little... Tiny little thing, so you're looking at over t you know two three times the size of, of the reality, but it's less scary. But if it's some small. of the you know <laughs> the early uh, the first movie, Steven Spielberg liked the name Velociraptor, is what I heard, and so he stuck Velociraptor on a Deinonychus, and then of course or like they, a Utah yeah, Raptor, yeah, or a Utah bigger. Raptor type of thing, which is I thought the Pyro Raptor was until. I was informed that it was supposed to be a Pyroraptor, but they never said it in the movie. I, I didn't even know because normally I didn't even know it was. Real. They've only got a few bones of a pyroraptor. Mm. They make most of that up. Well, we'll definitely but, get into that. But get this: how, how do you? How do we know? I mean, how do you fossilize a, a grasshopper? Hmm. Like, how does do grasshoppers fossilize today? Nope. Nowhere. They're gone in seconds, right? I mean, they get eaten, or and if and they rot, mm -hmm. you know, and and they're anything, gone. Yeah, anything, not just grasshoppers. Not just grass, but but the grasshoppers, especially, they're. Mm. They're delicious snacks for so yeah, many. The ants will eat them up. If you're dead, the ants so will eat them up. That's the truth. I've seen that happen before. <laughs> yeah, ants eating them up. Yeah. Uh, so, but they're in they're in Triassic, Jurassic, Cretaceous. These are all middle flood, flood layers, flood layers, flood layers. And it's like this, these tiny insects got tiny or some of them large. I don't know about movie large, but maybe some larger than what we have today. They got suddenly covered in mud so fast that they didn't have, other animals didn't have time to scavenge them. Ant didn't have time to come and eat them. So they get buried. And then even, it even preserved their wing vein patterns. And so, so you, so there's, so I went and looked up a study yesterday after I saw the movie and I was like, are there really grasshoppers in the fossils? And it's yes, the answer is yes. And they're preserved so exquisitely that they can, Compare the venation pad, the vein patterns, mm -hmm. call it venation, and uh, they and then they, 
they'd talk about which species is more related to which, you know, based on the vein patterns, which I don't care about at all. But what a tedious exercise. <laughs> anyway, so, but, but I'm just looking at it going, how do you get this? How do you get, how do you get a, uh, a grasshopper vein, uh, wing, you know, fossilized so that, and so you have to have a catastrophe. You have to have a lot of water and a lot of mud. And we have the, and, and then I read one paper, we're comparing this vein pattern uh, from the one in, in the UK with one we found in France and another one we found in Brazil. It, it's all over the world. Mm -hmm. Grasshoppers are fossilized on probably most continents, you know, maybe all of them. I didn't know that. So. that that's crazy. Yeah. And there's no ancestors in the rocks below. They just show up. Show up. They just it's already show a grasshopper. Fully formed, ready no, to go. No evolution. It was, yeah. So it fits, it fits the creation model. Mm -hmm. Again, historical science, we do model comparisons. And the, and the, the flood model, what, 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 how would you summarize the flood model? Creation and the flood, mm -hmm. how that explains mm -hmm. what we see? I think it explains most of what we see the best. Better, yeah. better than any conventional story that's portrayed in the movies and in the scientific literature that's out there with the deep time and the, you know, this appeal to this evolution that's supposed to have occurred. But what we see in the fossil record are just things showing up suddenly. Not just grasshoppers, but everything, even the dinosaurs. Mm -hmm. There's, you know, there's no ancestors to any of them. They're still trying to figure out where dinosaurs came from. Yeah. They're convinced and they're trying to tell you in the movie where dinosaurs, what they turned into, what they evolved into. Chickens. But again, there's no evidence of that either, as we'll, as we'll see in the science behind it. It's, it's more wishful thinking and more of a philosophy than, than it is real science. So, so the, yeah, so the real, so the model is God made it, then 1656 years after creation, God flooded it. Mm -hmm. And so what would the evidence be? Mm -hmm. Billions of dead things buried in rock layers, and th those were laid down all over the earth by fast-flowing water. Well, what do we see in the world we live in, you know? Mm -hmm. Just kick up the dirt, and you, you'll, you'll get to those rock layers that were deposited in the flood. And they're, in, they're underneath most of our feet. Mm -hmm. um, and that explains, so the creation explains the sudden appearance of fully formed creatures, mm -hmm. and then the flood explains how those creatures got locked in rock, which doesn't happen today, but happened everywhere in the past. Yeah, what I'm finding is, is a, in my research, it was a progressive flood. Every continent shows a progressive flood, starting minimal flooding, and that's where you see mostly marine fossils buried in early, early sedimentary layers. And, and that's then, early in the flood year? Early in the flood year, mm -hmm. maybe the first 40 days or so of the flood, and then as you go beyond that, you start getting, suddenly you get coal seams all over the world. Wait, the, the flood was longer than 40 days and 40 nights? You haven't read <laughs> the Bible. Wait a minute. Well, Sunday school taught me something different. And a lot of my college <laughs> students, that's what they pick. But I would say 80% of them, when there's a choice, was it a year of the flood or was it 40 days? 80% of them say 40 days. Uh, they sing all the Bible school songs, mm -hmm. which is unfortunate. But uh, it, was, it was almost a year. It was they, a year, okay. They're on the ark of actually over a year. Yeah. But uh, nonetheless, it was... It's, uh, I don't know where I was going earlier, but... Oh, I interrupted you. That's, okay. oh, that's good. You said progressive flooding. Oh, yeah, there was a progressive flood. I mean, and, and that, to me, explains the fossil record is a better model, is the progressive flood. Because every continent shows this progression. It doesn't flood everything right away. It kind of starts so minimal. And that ties back to the mechanism of the flood and other things that we don't have time to discuss here. But it's, it's a progressive flood, which explains why we see a progression of the animals buried and the plants buried in the fossil record. It's very orderly, even though there's a lot of chaos going on. You've got to see an orderly progression because the flood was a progressive flood. What, and what is that order? What, what, what progresses? Well, you see mostly marine critters early on. You know, that's all you see. Shallow seas were probably being flooded. And then you go to the 
lowland areas, as I've interpreted the swampy areas, you see those first coal seams show up all over the world, but there are different plants in those coal seams that we see later. The coals much later and even more extensive are, are different type of plants altogether that probably lived at higher elevations. So it's kind of an elevation or ecological zonation that goes on. Eventually you get to the dinosaurs, you wipe them out. It isn't that they went extinct, that's just their ecological zone was gone at that point. Right. Because the floodwaters are going higher and higher. And, and the reason they picked the end of that, what they call the Cretaceous or the KPG boundary, is because that's where the dinosaurs disappear. So it's kind of a circular reasoning in some ways. Yeah. And so then they disappeared in the rock record anyway. That right. There were dinosaurs on the ark that got off and didn't leave fossils, but eventually did go extinct. But, but I mean, the, what you're looking at, the, the reason they picked these names is because that's where animals or fossils disappear at some point, and you get new ones. And sometimes you get the same ones going on, but it's, a, it's all about the changes in the fossils is what gives us those names like Jurassic. And there's a certain suite of fossils found worldwide that we can say, okay, these are Jurassic rocks, but we believe that's just, you know, maybe a few days of the flood. It wasn't a period of time, it was a level in the flood that deposited these same rock layers with these same type of fossils at that level everywhere all around the world. See, this is what you get when you ask scientists about a movie. Right. They just talk See? about their own research. <laughs> well, but I mean, it's it not going to work despite your, your millennial efforts. It explains I'm going to nerd out. <laughs> no, I think that's great to explain, you know, how fossils mm -hmm. appeared, mm -hmm. or, you know, the, the mechanism of the flood mm -hmm. and how that creates fossils. But then I wanted to go back and talk about, you know, talking about Jurassic mm -hmm. World. So let's go back to the dinosaurs. And um, whenever we see fossils, it's a, a bone in the ground of some form, right? Um, but it doesn't. Like it doesn't leave. Okay. Yep. Yeah, okay. Show us. Here. Show and tell here. Hold my fossil. It looks like a. That is a little vertebra sandwich. A tail vertebra. We we'll call it go. caudal vertebra from a hadrosaur. That's from that. Hell Creek Formation, where it outcrops in um, South Dakota. Okay. And so I, uh, I cut it. I cut oh. it and I sampled the interior, so that we could. Uh, Ooh, that's we could analyze, Ooh. and so it's it's trabecular bone, a spongy bone. It's got those little pore spaces of the inside, yeah. and this is the kind of so yeah. So these are the right. so you would have had a disc. You know, people talk about their disc slipped in their back. <laughs> There's a disc here and a, a oh, my back. disc there, and then parts of it are broken off that would have um, processes and processes that yeah. would have held it together within the animal. So. Sorry to interrupt. I keep interrupting no, everybody. That's oh, that's good. Yeah, you're anyway, doing good. I didn't want to end yeah. the episode and have viewers no, go, fair. what was that thing? Right. It wasn't a coffee mug. And, and, so and for, those, for those of our viewers who are audio only, we'll uh, link a picture in the description. Yeah. yeah. yeah that's, that's, right. that's, so that's real. That's when you real. find fossils, yes. there's not a list in the ground that says either what dinosaur, it doesn't say what the dinosaur fully looked like, you know, maybe the coloration. Um, it doesn't say behavioral patterns right. or say how it communicated it or hunted. Right. Amazon's working on putting that database together, though. So <laughs> Thank they'll you. have it eventually. So, you know, when we find bones and then we kind of put together. So this movie, obviously, if they don't have that list mm -hmm. uh, that's not provided in the ground, so... Let's talk about some of the things that we witnessed as far mm -hmm. as, I want to go more into like the size of things, the way that they looked, the way mm -hmm. that they behaved, communicated, all of that. Um, and, you know, what can we do or do well, the bones inform anything? Let me start with a, po with a positive. Okay. Because it's easy to criticize and, and mm -hmm. go into negative and 
you messed that up. So everyone likes to finger point, and there's plenty of that to go around. Guilty. But the sauropod, there's been a lot of good research um, based on sauropod fossils. The sauropods are the long neck. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think they had basically an Argentinosaurus, uh, you know, um, um, Dreadnoughtus or something. Dreadnoughtus yeah. is probably the same thing. But so we have their footprints in in places in the ground, and um, we've been we've we've tromped and photographed and um, you know studied some of these some of these dinosaur foot trackways and everything, and um, so so they would front foot, and then. The, the, then, then they would lift up their front foot, and their back foot would sometimes land and overlap partly where their front foot was. We know that from the trackways. Mm-hmm. And what does it show in the movie? It shows exactly that. And it shows their, it's like their toes mm-hmm. pointed in, their front mm-hmm. toes. They're, they have these like claws pointed in. And so I was look at, looking at the feet, you know, going, this sauropod is walking just like a sauropod should walk. They got that right. Awesome. They got it right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was really big dumb claws, but, you know. The dumb claws, range, yeah. yeah. Um, but that's a lot of research from a lot of paleontologists trying to figure out how modeling this, the, the anatomy, both digital modeling and physical modeling, too, that they've done. So a lot of good work and uh, trying to figure out how they – and so – that's a good. That's and so, you, yeah, and they match the footprints, and that's that's the yeah. key. To, you know, when they model things, they try to get them to match what we do have. But mm-hmm. again, it doesn't tell us why they're going in that direction, or or anything about you know. And again, to preserve the footprints, you got to bury those fast as well. Oh yeah, you, know, you got to bury everything fast. And so footprints again are an argument for. So let's the let's just swing to the opposite end of the spectrum. Swimming under ice, <laughs> feathered <laughs> uh, dinosaur. Yeah. I mean. Yes. That was no, no, no. Yeah, that was <laughs> not at all. Are you well, saying not at all, or what can yeah, we well, get from that? <clears throat> throughout the whole movie, they show dinosaurs in cold climates, and to me, that was the ultimate: was jumping in the icy cold water and swimming around, and because they were, were smarter than the humans, right? and I was smarter than the humans almost, you know, kind of circling around, and it was just like wow. Don't get him started with yeah, the cold blood. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Well, maybe maybe <laughs> I won't. Uh, the the question though is like I imagine that these these dinosaurs wouldn't have been able to survive super well in such a cold environment. I don't believe so. I mean, they, there's evidence on both sides, warm blooded, cold blooded argument, mm. but I think there's stronger evidence that they were cold blooded. You know, the, the nasal passages are, are match up with crocodiles and alligators. You, know, you got to breathe. If you're going to be warm blooded, you got to be able to breathe efficiently to move mm. fast to run fast. You know, we, we see again. They go back to the running faster than cars and faster than motorcycles in this movie. The, with the Velociraptors, and it, it's, I just think that's not way accurate. beyond reality. Makes for an exciting movie, huh? but it, right. but it's but it's way beyond reality. And I don't believe. I mean, they seem to really be pushing the warm bloodedness in this one. That's why they could survive in these cold climates. Mm-hmm. That's why they're walking through the snow and swimming in the ice. But the key is, that's why. Uh, we can say that they evolved into birds, right. and therefore, that's, that's right. why we could say evolution is true. Right. So, right. so they, so there's a desire for an evolutionist like I once was to, to tell a story that really fits mm-hmm. my overall narrative, and that's not being honest. It's not being honest with, uh, with the data because the data don't. I mean, you can't fossilize a metabolism. Mm-hmm. I mean, we only recently mm-hmm. discovered that the Komodo dragon metabolism, ha- it has two metabolisms. Mm-hmm. One is chill mode, mm-hmm. where it's like, well, you'd, say, you'd think it's cold-blooded. But then when you drop a deer in its path, and it's like, I'm going to go get this deer. 
it, it, it ramps up its whole entire body metabolism, turns warm-blooded almost. And so it starts chasing the deer, and it just keeps on chasing and keeps on chasing. And they'll, they'll run you down. Komodo dragons. I don't want to be near those. <laughs> uh, now, now I'm terrified. <laughs> I <didn't know> <laughs> but I don't so, think. So who knows that dinosaurs may have had right a bimodal or a unique metabolism? I mean, we don't know. We just right. don't know because that, that doesn't that doesn't get fossilized. Right. It was it was interesting. Like um, what one of the I I, for, I forget this specific circumstance, but one of the the techs who worked for Biosyn, the the big evil company stand-in, of course, uh, was like, well, technically, dinosaurs are genetically the same as birds. And so there's very clearly a, a, a push in that right. direction. Well, you got to make them warm-blooded to make them like a bird. Right. Even though their brains are the shape of the alligators and crocodiles, when you look at the brain shape, the brain cavities, they're not shaped like a bird brain. And when you project up the size of, like, even the T-Rex brain to the size of the animal, it lies very close to the lizard line, mm. not the bird line, you know, basically the reptile line. So they just were bigger, so their brains were bigger, but, you know, some of the raptors had bigger brains than other dinosaurs, I think, because they, you know, they were predators and they had to smell better and see better sometimes than other dinosaurs. I think a lot of them could see with binocular vision. You look at the skulls, you can see where their eyes are facing forward, whereas most mm. of the prey, you know, they could see from the side, like triceratops couldn't see straight forward. They could only see from the side to kind of watch for uh, you know, predators yeah. type of thing. And so, you know, these were built in God's design, knowing that Adam and Eve would sin and animals would start eating each other after Adam and Eve sinned, after the fall, if you want to call it that. But, uh, you, know, to, they, they, you know, there is a concerted effort to make dinosaurs into birds. That's, that's their story. But it doesn't fit the rocks, and it also doesn't fit, you know, with what we're seeing in the, in the fossils of the dinosaurs. They don't seem to have really strong evidence that they were warm-blooded by any means. They also have to put feathers on them to make them into birds. Yeah, we would, so we'll that, get to that's that. A, that's that's definitely a big that's point. A big topic. I did right. I did want to mention uh, one one of the scientists said in one of the scientists in the movie. So an actor, not a real scientist, right? Uh, said that like they were getting the genome back in its purest form, and then like they conspicuously panned to this like small, almost chicken-like bird that's covered in in fur, uh, like. Uh, what's up with that? What, what, what is this fur that's going on? Fuzz, Brian. Well, uh, I want to go back to what Ivana said about you're you're sitting in the theater, you're a Christian, mm. and you're and you get this movie line, and it says, "What was it? Uh, genetically, dinosaurs the, are mm -hmm. connected. Yeah, uh, birds genetically are dinosaurs, the same as birds. Genetically speaking. What a throwaway line. I mean, <laughs> we should think." We should think about that line, turn our brains on, and go, okay, what does Genesis say? What does Genesis say? Uh, well, Genesis says in chapter 1, 10 times God created these, each creature, basic kind, to reproduce according to its kind. Mm -hmm. Now, the movie in that line is saying, genetically, <laughs> brr, 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 you know, that, that these feather-bearing, flying, mostly flying, birds... Mm -hmm. Um, are genetically the same as reptiles. Well, these are completely separate kinds, and they always have been, and they they were um, they are today separate and living kinds. But they're, they're also um, easily, relatively easily distinguishable as distinct kinds in the fossils. So, and created on different days. Right. It's just a it's just a movie line. Yeah. 
And we don't have any dinosaur DNA sequence at all. So how do you know what the, <laughs> the, the genetic sequence, the genetics of dinosaurs were? But in our culture, we have this, ooh, genetics. If it's genetics, then it's proven because we've seen DNA studies, uh, you know, prove who done it in, in forensics analyses. Like, oh, DNA proved it. So if DNA proves that, that Trey was actually the murderer, Guilty. sorry, Trey, yeah. it's, it's genetics. You are the murderer because it's I genetics. Am. And I then we the take that like word and we apply it to every, slap it in a movie line to, you know, mm -hmm. to let the audience know this is gen genetics has proven this too. In the same way that genetics proves that you were the murderer, genetics prove that dinosaurs are birds. Baloney, total baloney. I just wanted to get my baloney out. It's out of my system now. Mm. No, I thought you. it was Colonel Mustard all this time. Not you. <laughs> Colonel Mustard. <laughs> Professor Plum. Yeah, Can't one trust of those. him. Yeah. <laughs> so thanks for putting up with my rant. Oh, yeah. yeah no, that, that's great. I, 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 love, I love the rant. Um, so Back this, to that original question. Yeah, yeah. So, so we've got this push to, like, point that they're genetically like birds. And so, like, feathers don't just appear. So we've got this weird, like, fuzz thing going on and some of the birds and even like uh, what are they called I'm gonna butcher this Quetzalcoatlus also has like uh, awesome uh, also has like this weird fur uh, the Therizinosaurus also has this weird fur but then the pyroraptor it's like bright red perfectly pristine peacock feathers almost like just uh, why the progression there like like what is this Oh. Start on that one. So in these fossils, you know, in the 90s, they came, the, there's a series of Chinese fossils that came out that have like these, what looks like fibers. And um, they're associated with the skeleton. So what the question is, what causes these fibers? And um, on the one hand, we have paleontologists who honestly, if we're going to be honest, mm -hmm. they want to find a missing link. Mm -hmm. They want to find evidence to back up what they already are convinced of, and, and, and that is that some kind of reptile evolved into all of modern birds. So you, you're, you're gonna have to transition a whole lot of features in order to turn a reptile into a bird. It's not actually possible. You would kill the intermediate, but that's beside the point. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the transitions would have to be to ma manufacture feathers. And so, so, that, so that group, and that's probably the largest group, mm -hmm. would say, those are proto-feathers. Those are features that are evolving into feathers. But there are skeptics from among the evolutionary uh, paleontological community. That's a big word. That is a big word. Uh, you did well. They're, they're skeptics. Good. And they're, like, they're talking to their colleagues saying, those are not feathers. Well, why, are the, why, aren't they, why are they disagreeing? It's because of the experiments that they've done uh, where, where they rot, they watch a rotting carcass. And so when you throw a, a, a carcass into water and protect it from scavenging and then watch it rot, it turns out that skin on those rotting carcasses frays and leaves little fibers. So we don't have any solid reason to say that those fibers in those fossils can't be rotten, rotten skin, partly rotten skin. I know that's a double negative. We have no reason to say that they can't be that, but that's kind of how I have to phrase it uh, to be defensible. Well, they don't have any evidence that there actually are, you know, feathers or protofeathers either, other than what the right. shape looks like. There's no molecular studies that I know of that shows these things match up with, you know, some sort of a feather 
you know, same proteins we see in a feather, you know, by all practical purposes, they're just these little hair-like structures, and they're very small. And they made them much bigger in the movie. They made it look like you know these are evolving into feathers because they want them to be. But in the reality, those little proto-feathers, as they call them, or dino-fuzz, it's very, very small, and it fits the empirical study done showing that these are just frayed collagen fibers. Yeah, frayed skin. And so why not, why not just go with the obvious? <laughs> it's yeah. a rotting carcass with frayed skin. Mm -hmm. That explains what we see in the rocks. But um, so when we attach feathers onto these mm -hmm. dinosaurs or other reptiles, um, or even um, the pterosaurs, they had some sort of hair-like fuzz on the pterosaurs. Mm -hmm. Well, they found the same features in very recently in, in the, some pterosaur um, uh, fossils. And so they interpreted that. Well, if we're going to call that proto-feathers in the, in the non-flying, we have to call these proto-feathers too. But, we, but uh, what would they add? I mean, they, they had wings like bats. It was just right. smooth skin. And that's what they needed in order to fly. And bats don't have feathers. So. Bats don't have feathers? Bats don't have feathers, believe it or not. <clears throat> Now, let's have a movie with bats with feathers. <laughs> Perfect. That's about, that would be, that's about what we just saw. It's about it's what we just saw. <laughs> Jurassic World. But, they, but you know, those fibers feathers. are really small, too, even on the pterodactyl. So it's not like they're yep. you know, big proto feathers mm -hmm. or anything. They're, and they, you have the problem with, with feathers in general on, on dinosaurs because you know, how do they preen their feathers? How do you keep your feathers so that they're all put together and so they don't just become frayed and useless? Mm. And they don't, you know, the skull of dinosaurs, these theropods that they're putting the feathers on, with really no compelling reason to do it, they don't have the right shaped skull to preen their feathers. Huh? So how do? They, or or the, you have to have a neck that swivels yeah, all the way around. around. So birds have everything is totally integrated, and right. designed from the start to work the way it does. But anyway, so why not just have those fibers, the, those proto feather fibers? Let's let's just call them rotten skin fibers both in the pterosaur and in the dinosaurs where we see these fibers, I think it explains best. So, and if, But if that's the case, then bye-bye feathered dinosaurs. <laughs> no, right. it's well, no well, such. well, where it gets confusing, though, is they, they take these feathered birds from China yes. and they claim these are dinosaurs. Yeah, so they rename, yeah, they've like re, re, they redefine like the word dinosaur mm -hmm. now to mean also birds. Mm -hmm. So it's like the word so, loses its meaning. And so, yeah, there's other... You know, conventional paleontologists who point out, and they're in the minority because the majority has kind of jumped on the bandwagon, but they say, look, these are really just birds. These are just birds with bony tails that are extinct today, like Archaeopteryx. And when you look at the rock record, the biggest problem I have with dinosaurs, you know, evolving into birds or, is you see birds in the rocks in layers well below where the, these so-called bird-like dinosaurs are. You see the birds already buried totally fossilized with pinaceous flight feathers in the Jurassic, like Archaeopteryx, and possibly even some birds below that. Hmm. But everybody pretty much agrees that you know, this is the bird in the Jurassic, and it's, the next layer above is the Cretaceous, and that's where you find most of these so-called bird-like dinosaurs, most of the raptors, the velociraptor, things like that. And if you're you know, believing in deep time, you're looking at 40, 50 million years of time. In between, we already have birds, fully birds that can fly like a pheasant. And then you have dinosaurs, Re-evolving feathers, re-evolving yep. into birds, going through the whole process again, it just doesn't make any sense. So what do they do? They say, well, there had to be an ancestor down below Archaeopteryx. That we don't have any even. evidence of. Mm. Yeah, and they call that a ghost lineage, ghost and they lineage. just dash lines, and, and they're just making stuff up. Total you know, storytelling. When you can control the narrative like that, it, it, it's, it's kind of, to hear you explain yeah. it like that, it's like, 
why would we even why would anyone even like put credence into that? Yeah, you, you're, you basically you're creating the you, you, in their worldview they have their grandchild before the grandfather basically. Yeah, it's, it's it's totally backwards. The rocks don't lie. They they show feathered birds, boom, and then above that they see these dinosaurs. That some of them might have a little you know that kind of fuzz on them, but there's no evidence that Pyroraptor had feathers. There's no evidence that any of these raptors had true tenacious feathers whatsoever. All we see is those little fibers coming off, and they, they it's almost wishful thinking. But they portray that in the movies because they have the microphone, they can say whatever they want. They've kind of got the majority, but even, again, there are certain, you know, non-religious, or I guess you want to call them evolutionary paleontologists, that say, you guys, no, wait a minute, hold on here. This isn't right. Non-religious? Yeah. Well, I don't know if I say that. <laughs> they cling Maybe to their religion. Cut that out. It's tighter but, than I do. Well, I knew where that was but, going. <laughs> well, you know, they, they, you know, they wouldn't hold to a biblical worldview in terms right. of the flood and that type of thing. But they, you know, there's there's conventional paleontologists out there that say, wait a minute, but they kind of get shunned too mm. because they're not in the majority opinion. So they're not following the crowd. They're not, they're not following the story. So in some ways, the movie is a, is a script that portrays this imaginary science that we see the same thing in. The paleontology journals. We see the same, you know, use of imagination. Dinosaur. Yeah, same use of imagination in the paleontology journals. The most respected ones in the world yeah. show the same imaginary ideas: feathered dinosaurs, feathered this. You know, and there's it's not very good rocks, science at all because it, it doesn't it doesn't include all the data, and it's very one sided. It's selective, and then it's, it mixes in storytelling, mm -hmm. and it's but it, this stuff passes as science today because they have the microphone. Because there's money in it too, right? I mean, there's a lot of good science being done yeah. by, you know, yeah, a lot of by people. evolutionaries. I mean, yeah. uh, most of it's great. The descriptive science is really good. So when they get into like the this is how this works, but it's but it's when we start uh, interpreting the past that uh, mm -hmm. that storytelling creeps in and putting things out. Trying to fill the gaps. You know, there's no evidence for you know. You start, oh, there's feathers on these because they're a theropod. Well, well that's not. Science, science. The rocks don't show that. The fossils don't show that. But you want it to be true, so therefore so you. So then they, that's when they blur the definition. It's really difficult right now because there's a lot of people that you know think dinosaurs did have feathers, but they're really looking at the anatomy of a bird. People that understand birds and the way dinosaurs walk, you know, birds walk with their thighs inside their body and they walk kind of on their knees. And you pull the legs down of these. And the late Dave Menton said that you pull the legs down on these, a lot of these birds and make them walk like a dinosaur, and they're too front heavy, they would fall over. Mm. And so they don't look at the back, you know, how the legs are structured. They don't look at a lot of things. They're mostly looking at the arms, trying to make them in, you know, into wings. Right. And there's a lot of storytelling about that, but they don't really. They forget about the back, you know, hip structure. The dinosaurs balance on their hips. The two-legged dinosaurs and the birds and dinosaurs walk completely differently. Mm-hmm. And there's just so much that we could continue to go on about, but I, I know we've got to wrap it up. And um, just in what you're sharing there, I, I want to bring back to the mind of the audience, like, this is a movie. The purpose is to entertain, and it's not a science textbook to educate. That's not the purpose. And in maybe, maybe even in some ways, um, these creators are taking what they're hearing from science that already maybe has a fantastical way of being interpreted already, right? There's some gaps that they, the scientists fill in themselves and now we're putting it in a creative space where 
we're embellishing even more for and making them really, really big. Right. right. So and for colorful. entertainment purposes, um, but for us as you know, we're we're looking at this. We want our audience to remember that when you go to movies, be mindful of what what is truth um, and what has been shown scientifically. And I, I know that there's a lot of implications of things that have been portrayed in the movie because of what we hear from the scientific community. Um, but just any final thoughts or encouragements for our, our, our listeners, our viewers, as we, we face things like this, where our view is, is scripture-based, and then science just shows that scripture is correct, and we're facing these things, and we have these conversations with people, or new discoveries, or interpretations of things come out. And so just any final thoughts about encountering these things, or just for encouragement for our viewers? Help me with the character name. It's the it's the mother who was on Charlotte. The, Charlotte. Charlotte. Yes. The mother who was on the video screen. Yes. Yes. Um, she gets the like the closing scene for the movie, and she expresses some sort of wonderment at you know at being able to participate and play her part in this grand evolutionary narrative and she says something about how you know it's hard to it's hard to believe it's hard to think that you know life has been on planet earth for um, millions of years mm -hmm. and humans have only been on here for just a blip of that time and and how awesome this is <laughs> i think that is totally contrived mm -hmm. what's awesome about just being a hairless ape <laughs> what she's expressing as a character is I think a, a human universal. We all, we each want to be connected to something bigger. Mm -hmm. We each want to have a feeling of my life means something. I want to be significant. But I'm telling you, it's not very satisfying to think of your life as to, to, to derive significance from. Okay, so I'm, I happen to be a winner of a Darwinian lottery system, you know, uh, or I happen, to, I happen to exist on this planet because, because of uh, millions of years of accidents. That's not satisfying. And then I'm going to vanish, and then the world's going to vanish, and it will all have meant nothing. Why is, she, why is she so happy about this? I think it's just acting. <laughs> I think if you carry out this evolutionary, it's all about survival of the fittest philosophy. It's all about physical processes. There's no such thing as spiritual or supernatural at all. Then you, you're ignoring who you really are as a, as a created in the image of God human being. And you really have real longings. They even talked about longing for um, or portrayed in the very end. The, the last word of the movie was? Coexist, yes. and then they showed all these, right. all oh, these yes. oh animals and dinosaurs <laughs> well, living together in, in coexist in harmony. Hands. But don't we want that? Mm -hmm. I mean, everyone wants to have a world of peace, mm -hmm. and um, we want to go back to the Garden of Eden. So, in on the one hand, they're ignoring the fact that the garden was real because mm -hmm. that's in the Bible, which that's a bunch of nonsense. But on the other hand, we all want to go back to that garden mm -hmm. where we're, you know, we don't have to suffer disease. Um, we can live forever, but we, the thing is, so, so I think the characters are expressing these longings to be significant, a longing for peace, for utopia, if you will, but the Bible actually offers us these things. The a relationship with God is the real 
is the real missing part. When we know him by repenting of our sins, trusting in him, we begin a relationship with him, and then guess what happens? I become significant because of what he says about me, because he cherishes me. That's where I get my significance, and it lasts forever. It literally does last forever, everlasting life. That's what we're wanting. And then his promises are he's going to make a new heavens, a new earth, where righteousness dwells. No more sin, no more tears, no more crying, it says in Revelation. And, you know, a better day is coming for those who know the Lord. And so the, even in this movie, they're expressing our universal longings, um, but the Bible actually supplies the the answers that we're all looking for. It's that, it's that relationship with Jesus. That, that's the key. That, that's that's what gives us purpose in life. That's it. You know, as, as scientists, we, we study what God has done, trying to understand a little bit more about His created world. And but it's all if we don't have that relationship with Jesus, it's all meaningless. It's you just become another person that came, that lived and died on the earth. Yep. There, there is going to be an afterlife, even for the people that don't believe in Jesus. It's right. not going to be. It's not going to be utopia. It's going to be, you know, eternity in hell. Yeah. So praise the Lord. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Praise the Lord that He um, that He offers us this option. Come to know Me. Just repent of your sins, and I'll forgive. And, and the fossils show there was a judgment. You know, there's, that's True. what the rock all shows. All these dead billions and billions and billions of fossils. That God wasn't lying when He talks about the flood in the Bible. There really was a flood. There really was evidence of that flood all around us. We looked down, like you said earlier, we could look down. Most places you see below your feet layers of rocks filled with fossils, all deposited by water. And and just like God provided a way out for a single family of that judgment, He has provided a way out for us uh, in for eternal salvation. For eternal yeah. salvation, yeah. Absolutely. So watch the movie, I guess. Enjoy it. Yeah. Do what I did. To go to the matinee so you have less money going to the movie makers if you don't like what, <laughs> what they do. But anyway, but yeah, but then have conversations with our kids yeah. and with our friends afterwards mm-hmm. and ask them, what do you think about this? And do you have a longing for for significance like that? Betty? Charlotte. Not Betty, Charlotte. Charlotte. Like Charlotte. <laughs> Whatever. You clearly <laughs> nailed the name. That's great. Well, the movie, Betty. Yeah, the movie is entertaining, but, it, yeah. but right. don't shut your mind off when you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Watch for those clues. Watch for those things where they're throwing the melons of ears in, they're throwing the feathers in. You know, there's a lot of unscientific things, but it is entertaining. It's always fun to see dinosaurs fighting and grilling. And so I brought these today just for us. Ah. This is the t- typical T Rex tooth with the root. This is the Giganotosaurus tooth. So who do you think really would have won? Oh man, does the T-Rex Giganotosaurus tooth doesn't include the root? This, this the root the, down here that, too. That that's, the, yeah, that's the root down oh, below wow. here. So, yeah. No. So again, you're much thinner. This is more typical of most dinosaurs. T-Rex had the thickest teeth of any predator that, that I think we found so far. And so this is built to crush. This is built to kind of slash. So I think the T-Rex would have won. I, I Put my money on the T-Rex any time over And over d- didn't, didn't have to rely on the Therizinosaurus to right. uh, team up. Skewer. No. <laughs> Skewer. Skewer. Yeah. Yeah. Put it in a barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. well, That's a Texas thing. <laughs> yeah, of course. Well, thank you all so much for yeah. being here. It, it, it's been a blast. Uh, it, was, it was fun watching the movie with you all and, and just, just fun talking about it, even, even though... Mm-hmm. Uh, 
even though we don't agree with the science, uh, it, it's good to be able to talk about here. So mm -hmm. It's still fun. It's yep. still a fun movie. Thank you so much for joining us. If you found this helpful, make sure to like and subscribe, and we'll see you next time on Creation.Live. <laughs>